The views, information, or opinions expressed during the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the individuals involved. Hello, and welcome to Pseudo Intellectuals, the podcast where we discuss all things relating to politics, philosophy, and law. I am Abraham Litwin Logan, and today we will be discussing affirmative action, specifically in the context of a- academics. Here with me to discuss uh, affirmative action as well as some other things is Harish. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks, Abe. Also here with us is Michael. How are you? Hi, I'm good. So let's get right to it. Um, Michael, what are your initial thoughts on affirmative action? Is it a good policy to pursue, uh, simply based on it, its principles, I suppose? Uh, I think it's important to scope it in terms of, uh, to hold it in regard to like the equality movement. So the end goal we should be looking at is, uh, is affirmative action beneficial for the people that it claims the benefit? So is affirmative action um, useful a useful tool for equality? And I think the short answer is no. I'm pretty sure we will get into the details of it uh, later, but so we can sort of look at, we can sort of move on to sort of see where everyone stands first and then we can sort that out later. Sure. Do we think that's an appropriate framing? Should we only consider affirmative action in the context of the equality movement? Because perhaps if it has repercussions uh, exterior to the uh, equality movement, then perhaps we should consider it more on a societal basis. Yeah, so I think it, it depends on what we want to think of. I mean, how we want to construct society, whether we want to give everyone equal opportunities or whether we think every time that someone is losing out ever so slightly, we should be correcting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, personally, I'm a equal opportunity uh, fan. Um, both of you are as well, I, I take it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's no disagreement there. We need equality and opportunity. It's difficult for you to disagree with that premise, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, and also for our listeners, I think uh, just to define affirmative action uh, for clarity. So affirmative action is um, policies or practices based on the favoring of individuals belonging to groups that have historically been discriminated against. Um, so I think that's an amical definition. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a workable one. Okay, so I suppose um, let's get into what you were talking about, Michael. Why? Why do you think it is that affirmative action isn't effective in promoting the equality movement? Well, I guess it's it, the, the, the fundamental starting point of affirmative action just doesn't sit well with me. And I think that's something that can be agreed upon with everybody. By uh, it doesn't fix the root problem of, say, for example, um, in the U.S. of uh, like BAME students not being able to uh, have proper education and like then get the, from that to get the prerequisite grades to get into certain schools. So instead of fixing the root problem of them not having a good education, you just artificially inflate their scores by lowering the standards in which you would take them in by. And I think that it itself is just like a very short-term solution for a very long-term systemic problem that we see in society right now. And Bennett and Eastland saw racial preferences as not making sense because they said to count by race, to use the means of numerical equality, to achieve the end of moral equality is counterproductive. For to count by race is to deny the end by virtue of the means. The means of race counting will not, cannot issue in an end where race does not matter. And I think this accurately sums up all of our positions. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this relates really well to the idea of what many people call um, reverse discrimination. So um, this is the notion that 
Some would say, I think myself included, that affirmative action is discriminatory, it is racist. And um, in response, many proponents of affirmative action will proffer the uh, idea that, you know, you cannot be racist against groups that have not been historically disadvantaged. But, um, like, even if we accept that as true, I think there's definitely um, some evidence that affirmative action discriminates against Asian people, which, you know, I think few would argue have not been discriminated against. So it seems um, a little confusing to me, that position at least. But I guess off the bat, is, do you guys agree that it is discriminatory? I, I, I guess the evidence points to the fact that it is discriminatory, right? But so even without evidence, just like definitionally, yeah. right? Um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree because I think what you're trying to do in affirmative action is you're just trying to correct for otherwise systemic issues by implementing initiatives on top of those systemic biases to correct for them. But obviously, this doesn't lead to good outcomes. So, But whether or not that's true, can it not still be discrimination? It's, it, yeah, so I, I think it, in, it is discriminatory in the sense that, for example, inequality of opportunity is discriminatory, right? So I don't think it, I mean... Even if, even if I acknowledge the fact that it is discriminatory, I don't think it has any bearing on the merit of the decision because I, I, it's just reversing what already exists in society. The problem is when it achieves uh, non-beneficial outcomes by discriminating and also by the fact that it doesn't actually benefit the people it's supposed to benefit. Right, right. Okay, yeah, I, th I think that's a so, good starting point. Yeah, so I think we can, uh, adding on to Harish's point of it not, helping the minorities not, uh, achieving the success that it claims to want to uh, attempt to achieve right um, one of the big things we see is that um, it's sort of when you enter a course inherently if you do enter a course and you do well with it it's an affirmation that you belong there that you should stay there right and um, by artificially lowering the requirements they, it doesn't, they, the universities that artificially lower the requirements for affirmative action don't then change the syllabus to fit that. So essentially what we see through affirmative action is students who are technically not supposed to be in that course or in that school because they did not make the grades required for that course, right? But they get in because of affirmative action, because of the colour of their skin or their, their backgrounds, right? And... And they enter this course where they are not fully equipped to tackle. So we see this in, by where, um, say for example, 54% of ethnic minorities who enter STEM courses change into different courses in contrast to 8% of white students. Or they drop out or don't graduate on average 15% lower graduation rates for students be accepted because of affirmative action. So they come, they, it's, the playing field is already inherently unbalanced because they come in and they, they are generally just not as smart as their peers. So when you are constantly the bottom of your class, you sort of start to think, maybe this isn't for me, maybe I should be doing something else. And then you, you change courses to something that you think might be a little bit easier. So there's a lot uh, to unpack there. But generally speaking, it's the idea of mismatch theory, I believe it's called, mm -hmm. uh, what Michael was just talking about. And... Um, the, the notion that if people get in on lower um, grades or lower merits, then they'll be unable to compete, and that results in worse outcomes like Michael you know, just listed off. 
But couldn't an argue be, argument be made that affirmative action just provides the opportunity to pursue their um, academic careers at a better university and they're choosing to go to a higher university and they're not being forced into it. So it's not really problematic since it's better to provide these people with a choice than um, to for them to have no choice whatsoever. I guess that's true if you only consider the fact that they have a choice. But the truth is they don't have a choice as to the type of curriculum that they're getting into, nor would they expect it. So I can't say for a fact that it's an informed choice. They're not... Mm-hmm. I, I don't think when people make the choice, they're looking at um, dropout rates and going, oh, I'm going to be one of them, right? They're looking, mm-hmm. at, uh, they're looking at the university and seeing how good it's a university and thinking they can cope. And when they go there, then they can't cope and then they just inevitably drop out, which is exactly why um, we see that um, when affirmative action policies are removed after, um, was it the US Supreme Court ruling against affirmative action, uh, against racial quotas, was it? I think it was uh it was uh the the stat I have was for UCLA it was only yeah exactly right so the stat I have is from UCLA yeah. as well so what we see post um post affirmative action policies is the fact that although um entrance rates for blacks and other minorities were lower the graduation rates were the same or similar so while less people do get the opportunity more people are actually making use of the opportunity in it and um being able to graduate out of it so I don't think that's a problem um, even though choices are limited initially rather I think we should be focusing on um, empowering communities to make sure that they're able to achieve those choices on a equality of opportunity basis mm-hmm. yeah I think that's interesting but um, yeah and I think that I, I would um, agree but surely Affirmative action must have some sort of benefits, otherwise no one would be promoting it, I suppose, right? Perhaps the um, the fact that students of color are underrepresented on college campuses in the U.S. is part of the reason, and by promoting affirmative action, you get more diversity on campus, which, you know, in theory means uh, better things for everybody involved since they get more diverse perspectives, that sort of idea. Uh, I think, okay, um, I'm sort of very inherently opposed to this idea, and if I can sort of make that clear, it's kind of reprehensible to use uh, tokenistic minorities as a way to make um, the majority feel better about the university culture. So, say... Uh, Hold on, I I don't mean, like, surely that's, yeah, one part of it, but I also mean, like, for example, let's say, I don't know, you have a Hispanic person get into a better university, um largely based off of affirmative action and then somebody else who's a minority visits the university and sees that hispanic person they see it it as a place that's also for them not just for the majoritarians that you're talking about so essentially what you're saying is that affirmative action would uh then allow more students of that same race to like well it would encourage them in that sense i think it's like an aspirational thing right Right. so if you see someone like you there then you'd want to achieve it so it makes it more attainable seems more realistic and achievable. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't really think that's the issue because, I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about it, it's the grades are a hard line. It's whether it's either you get accepted or you don't based on your prerequisite grades and, of course, your personal statement, which is a little bit more um, sort of, uh, it's sort of an, a, a dubious point there. But at the end of the day, it's did you do well enough to get into the school? And if you didn't do well enough to get into the school, then you shouldn't be applying. Like, that's just, like, that's that, that's how it works, right? So, 
as in it's I don't think it would be like it, it was it was never when I applied for UCL it was never a, oh I've seen Asians go to UCL therefore I will also apply to UCL it was more of I want to study law in the UK and I have I have these grades where can I apply to that would best fit me right right but I I mean I guess one of the things that also probably factored into the decision maybe not UCL specifically but the UK in general was the fact that you have seen people go there before so there's there's a path that sort of place for you I think it's more um, intimidating if you you know no one who, who's there and then uh, it just seems like a path that's impossible to achieve because no no other person who's a minority has achieved that path right. so I think there is some merit in the arguments that proponents of affirmative action are making insofar as um, it not just being diversity not being just valuable but also um, uh, intrinsically valuable in the sense that you have more people being able to aspire to attending universities. So I, I think there is value there. But again, uh, it comes back to this um, evidential argument, which is that the results we see aren't the same thing. The results is that people may enter college, but they're leaving college. So what's the point, right? So, yeah, I think I think that what you said there and really like sort of ties it back. It's, yes, I understand that there's that trailblazing aspect of like, you know, I see people like me go there. I also want to be part of that community that they have built. Yes, I understand that. But that isn't something that can only be fixed by affirmative action. I think is what I'm coming, where, where I'm coming from. Is there are better ways to do it in which you can uplift the minorities without having to sacrifice them you know, with like, what was, what was the statistic just now? 54% of people who enter STEM courses change courses. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount. Half of the, half of the students that you accept based on affirmative action are leaving the course that they accept, that, that they came to your school for. And this is in the US where student debt is a massive thing, right? And if you accept that, if we accept that they come from lower, like lower socioeconomic backgrounds, then the burden on them is so large and you market this STEM, the idea of being entering a STEM course, making the amount of money that a graduate from a STEM course would make to pay back those loans. And then at the end of the first year, 50% of them can't do that and their dreams are dashed because you've just fed them lies because they shouldn't even be in that course in the first place. I or guess, at least in that school in the first place. I guess I, I can't seem to disagree. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it's just it's just evident that if the promise is largely a false one or if the odds are stacked against you, either you know of the either you're made aware of the fact that the odds are stacked against you, or you shouldn't be allowed there in the first place, you know. Right. And also I think an important thing to note is that is it's not it's not as if these Ivy League heavily white Predominant, like predominantly historically white schools are the only schools that you can apply to in which they would you can succeed, right? So they, uh, I can't remember which study this was, but the statistic I have here is that uh, career outcomes for ethnic minorities are harmed by affirmative action because 45% more women and 35% more men would have succeeded in attaining their career-related goals if they had attended schools where their entering credentials had been about average because the whole thing, it's about learning together and progressing together. So when you move as a whole unit, you see there's more, there's more cohesive and it's easier for you to learn because you're not always behind, right? So there's that sort of idea that it's affirmative action sort of harms people more because of not only the mismatch theory, but the fact that they are not competing at the level that they should be competing at. Therefore, they are failing because... I mean, once once you change courses, you can never. It's not like 
you know, they can go back to a different university and run that same course again because, I mean, I, I don't know how much money you have, but I don't think I can do another course. Right. Uh, one thing that I think Michael alluded to that's quite relevant to our discussion is this big fish, little pond concept as opposed to a small fish in a big pond concept. So the theory is the idea that students in higher achieving schools will compare themselves with their peers and consider themselves less capable while equally performing schools as students in lower achieving settings have more confidence. And we see that uh, we see that evi- the evidence from a study in Stanford done that points to quite a fair bit of uh, evidence that points in the direction, which is that people who may be getting into better schools, okay, they're getting into better schools, but their self-confidence is going to be harmed. And we know that that's not exactly the best thing for students. And the ev- I mean, it's clear from the evidence that people are dropping out by virtue of not just maybe self-confidence, but the fact that they, merely aren't, they simply aren't able to keep up. So I'd say affirmative action seems quite strongly to point in the opposite direction in terms of how it's working at present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, based on results, it seems quite difficult to justify affirmative action to me. Even if we don't, um, and we haven't really considered the effect it has on other people who are implying, who are applying and not being favorably uh, treated. So I'm talking about um, white students and Asian students primarily who are forced to have higher SAT scores, higher grades, better extracurriculars to get into a program than um, the same program for people with a different race or background. So even without that, uh, considering that, it seems to me uh, to be, you know, very difficult to justify. Well, I think, yeah, that, that's very true. And um, it's sort of the idea of you mentioned higher prerequisite scores. I don't think that's the case. It's just the actual prerequisite scores because we've already been through this and we said that, okay, so uh, uh, academic, uh, sorry, uh, affirmative action reduces the academic bar, right? So without that, if we take away affirmative action, everybody has to get in on those results. So by introducing affirmative action, you introduce this idea of a comparative, right? Is that, oh, if I was a different skin color, I would not have to get as good grades as opposed to if I was white or Asian, right? And that sort of widens the gap between, between, uh, between ethnic minorities and like, say for example, I mean... Asians are technically ethnic minorities, I guess. I guess, well, depending on the context. Yeah, depending on the context. If yeah. I was in China, I wouldn't be an ethnic minority. But hey, you know, we're here. So oh, wow. it, sort of, it sort of widens the gap. And so, for example, you see this in the, uh, the Fisher and University of Texas case where Abigail Fisher was a white woman. She sued the University of Texas for rejecting her application because she did not get the scores required for whites and Asians, but she did meet the requirements for blacks and Hispanics. So it's sort of... It sort of incites this uh, race comparison again, like we, we, that Harish alluded to earlier, sort of like that truth to come by race is to, you know, yeah, so that, that, that whole idea, it's sort of, it leads to a bigger racial divide. And I don't think that's something that the equality movement would want. How about if we narrow affirmative action in the academic context to a, a simple hypothetical? So if there are two applicants to school, one black woman and one Asian male, and they have uh, the, the exact same academic qualifications, literally no difference except for their race and um, gender. Should the school flip a coin or should the school pick the 
um, black woman. Hmm. I, I'd say I'm in favor of picking the black woman, even though it seems intuitively to discriminate against the Asian men. Um, I think the fact that they're equally qualified means that there would be no difference in outcome in terms of what they might achieve. I'm assuming that, of course, but let's say there's no difference in outcome. I think for society, it's more beneficial than it is to pick someone who's, uh, who is already represented. So not only will this achieve this idea of there being like a pathway for you, for younger students who might be aspiring to the same schools, mm-hmm. but it also would empower that individual and their family if, let's say, they go on to achieve high-paying jobs that will like empower their family and their communities later on. Yeah. How about if the um, the black female, her both her parents went to a university and the Asian male parents have never been to university? Would it change? I think I, so. I think it changed. I, I think I think we're sort of leaning into this uh, sort of counting the. Uh, counting di- like diversity that, points this you know? is this is a, that's exactly why right. i brought the hypothetical yeah. up because what i'm trying to get at is one of the issues is okay so i guess you know crudely speaking you get one point if you're a woman you get another point because you're black and then oh you get minus one point because your um, parents went to university and then you're comparing these people on these very largely immutable characteristics and that seems really like weird to me right okay i mean but the, what's the alternative the alternative is taking Flip it by chance right yeah. i'd say i'd say universities should be empowered to take decisions that they think would benefit society at large okay. i'm not sure like which is why i think like uh, wait just to be clear i'm not like saying that there should be like legislation like from from the university's perspective, I want to hear what you'd do if you were the dean. Yeah, yes. I, I'd say I'd have to take lots of circumstances into account, like um, mm-hmm. what financial positions both of them are at, um, what their family, uh, economic and social situations are like. So race would be just one of the factors they take into account. So would, would it be a better... Um, I guess, method of administering affirmative action if instead of it being based on race, it was based on socioeconomic background? Well, I mean, then you run the risk of... Uh, isn't it against the law to discriminate against that? I, so I you, mean, can't, you can't force people to provide... What do you mean force people to provide? Like, uh, pro- pro- provide uh, that kind of information of like... So let, let, let's say they well, voluntarily yeah, disclosed voluntarily. it. Right. Yeah. Then, then, then again, then it sort of incentivizes them to voluntarily but voluntarily disclose it if they know that it's going to make a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point. Right? Yeah. The, I well, I guess I think if I was in that position, I think the the idea of a quota makes sense because, okay, at the end of the day, right? Don't know about that one. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Okay, I, I, understand, I understand it comes off very problematic at first uh, on, on the face of it, but the idea behind affirmative action is so that you increase diversity within the year, right? Well... The, problem with that is that the, I think the biggest problem I have with it is the artificial lowering of the bar right is that if you make the bar lower then they, you know that there are like statistics every stat we have out there shows that if you lower the bar and force them to come in it's an uneven playing field for them they are not going to do as well as if they had they were competing with their peers right but to say but so then what we should be saying is that the bar should be the same but we should favor ethnic minorities right so, say for example, like, because it's not that 
these uh, black and ethnic minority, like the black and Asian ethnic minorities, whatever they might be, it's not that they're not getting the scores, they're not getting good enough scores that across the board that we have to reduce the bar, it's that we are trying to create this influx of diversity, therefore we're reducing the bar so we can just shove as many people as we can into, into the school, right? So let me, let me just clarify if I understand correctly. So for example, Michael's University, okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. You'd be like, we want, let's say you have a class of a thousand people. Yep. I, I'm just making up the numbers. Let's say you want 300 black people, mm -hmm. 300 Hispanic people, 200 Asian people, and 200 white people. Sure. Sure. So let's say uh, of the 300 black people you have reserved, you'll set a standard that's the same for all uh, races. Yes. And if... Um, only 200 black people get those scores. Only 200 black people would be in the university. Yes. Right? Okay. So th that seems like what it is now, right? Well, I mean... Except without the quotas. Because, yeah. But, but then the uh, potential... Re okay. It seems sort of like what it is now. Well, potentially... In, I, I think because we're, we're thinking about it from the fact that everyone is equally qualified, but it's not going to happen in right. reality. Yeah. So, yeah. as in, I think the, the thing is that it's the, the bar is set at whatever standard it is. And however much above you are in the bar, okay. however much above you are, th that doesn't that doesn't matter. Let me let right? me further clarify. Okay. okay. So you said let's just say it's just based on a single test. Mm -hmm. You get above a ninety on the test, you're in Michael's University. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's say you know um, a thousand Indian people uh -huh. all get above ninety, the whole university would be Indian. Why why would that be the case? Because you just have to get above the test score to get in. Well, and I mean, like only a thousand Indians get. Is that is that your hypothetical? No, well, that there's maybe ten thousand people who get in, but the only ethnic minorities who apply are these thousand Indians, and the thousand Indians get above the <laughs> test score. No, I think I. I, I, think I hope this isn't right. coming off in the wrong way. Yeah, no, no, no. no that's no. fine. I, I, I really hope that this isn't this isn't the, the way that people don't read this the wrong way but it's more of just that idea that um, you should empower minorities therefore but then again you would want them to succeed because that's part of the empowerment itself so it's like you want to give them the platform to succeed so you would I would, I would favor say like we go back to your example of like you know if it was yeah. a black person or a white person then you know you would favor the, the ethnic minority even though they got the same score if you understand where I'm coming from okay right but yeah. I would not artificially reduce that score just so that they could be in the same university. Right. Okay. okay. So then, you have two thousand people apply for your one thousand spots, right? Uh -huh. They all have the same qualifications. A thousand are Hispanic. A thousand are Asian. You have a thousand Hispanics going to your school. Is that right? Five hundred. Well, I mean, you could do it like eight hundred, two hundred, or like six hundred. So I, I think what Michael's getting at is maybe we should make it more representative of the yeah. population, as opposed okay. to merely just favoring. So, so that isn't like a artificial. So let's say in in a hypothetical population, there's like twenty five percent of each race, right? So if a thousand applicants come in, um, but there's only a hundred spots, and of those thousand applicants, let's say two hundred are qualified, you try and achieve that number as much as yeah, possible. yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think if the standards aren't lower, uh, lowered, then I think, uh, I think I would be okay with that. Yeah, because then it's it's there's equal. nothing there's nothing yeah. that like jumps out at, at yeah. me. I, I I think it's hard. I I I'd say it's the only problem is that 
Well, in reality, yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, right. exactly. Someone's going to be slightly less qualified or slightly more yeah. qualified. Okay, so, so what, what about those slight disparities? Like, let's say yeah. um, you're, you're selecting someone. Both of them have sort of the same test scores. Everything's the same. The only difference is maybe one has done like 20 uh, extracurriculars and the other has done like seven. And presuming the extracurriculars of equal merit. Yeah, yeah. Right. Presuming um, they have equal merit. But I, the races... I mean, the race metric would favor the race and gender metric would favor the person who's got seven extracurriculars. I pick the twenty, but I I think sort of externally to this, I I feel like it's at least sort of concerning to me if we okay. So we're talking about like a race in this like specific scenario. Why aren't we talking about socioeconomic status? Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Why aren't we talking about the background of the parents? Why aren't we talking about if they're immigrants? Why aren't we talking about they have mental health issues like the, the what it, there's so many like external factors that influence someone's success influence someone's potential to have equal opportunity that it seems to at a point become untenable to actually Take you into know, implement right? this yeah. realistically right which is, which is the problem right yeah which is, which is why it leads to absurd outcomes when people use crude metrics like race only. exactly right? Exactly. So, so I think it, it, it comes down to the inherent problem that we have, we see in society in which people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds have less access to school. And then if we talk about your example of um, extracurriculars, if you, my parents aren't making enough money and I have to go out and work, that means I have to, it's more time, it's less time for me to go out and do those extracurriculars to then look good in my application for my CV or whatever it might be, right? Sure. Yeah, or if somebody's born with 10-point higher IQ than someone else, why should they have to get in on the same standards? Arguably, it's easier for the person with a 10-higher IQ to get in. Like, I mean, there's so many variables that it's impossible to, you know, really create a fair, fair quote-unquote, yeah. system, right? So it seems to me that y you may be causing more problems with these crude methods, like, you know, these dropout rates Michael was talking about with this crude, you know, implementation of affirmative action that I really don't know what a realistic alternative is that would be better than just leaving, you know, it to be based pure, purely, purely on merit. But then I guess the problem you'd run into is that uh, people who are of minority backgrounds may never get in. And yeah. Well, I guess theoretically, over time, they would get in proportionate to the population because the dis historical disadvantages are going to diminish over time. Yeah. But obviously that's not a very, such a yeah. satisfactory so, outcome yeah. for any people. Yeah, I, so I think, sorry, like um, it's sort of like you mentioned, the, the historical uh, bias, the historical sort of discrimination we see is slowly, it's slowly going back to equilibrium. And I think that the, where this uh, affirmative action movement stems from is the idea that we want to make it quicker. Right, mm -hmm. it's like we have you know out of justice bends too slowly, yes. so we would want to, you know, speed things up a little bit so that the playing field can be a little bit more even in a shorter period of time. Yeah, no, I understand that, but at the same time, by trying to speed things up, you're causing the people you're trying to help to be so much worse off, like you're talking about. So I think it honestly may be better to not do anything at all if whatever we may do results in worse outcomes, right? 
I think the only way to move forward is to invest in communities that have been yeah. historically disenfranchised. Right, and that has nothing to do with affirmative action. action. Exactly. Because right. yes. yeah. so, I think that's a ground-up approach where you're focusing on equality of opportunity. I completely yeah. agree. And I think, so I think a lot of justification comes from a Rawlsian approach where you want to... Uh, ignorance. Uh, from the veil of ignorance, exactly. So you engineer inequality such as such that you maximize the lo- the minimum in society. Would you guys like but, to like, explain sure. that a little bit? So, so um, Rawls starts with the veil of ignorance, which is that you don't know your place in society. And if you don't know your place in society, what kind of distributive justice system would you employ? And he finally concludes by saying, the, sis- the distributive justice system you'd employ is one that maximizes the least well-off in society. So that if you fall as one of the least well-off in society, you wouldn't be that far off. And oh, okay. inequalities are only engineered insofar as they maximize the least well-off in society. But I think um, affirmative action isn't a good way to achieve that outcome because it doesn't really reach equality of opportunity, does it? And that's one of the ideas that Rawls also tries to maximize in his distributive justice theory system. But um, what happens in effect is that people get equality, uh, inequality in opportunity, but they can never realize that full potential because the equality that is trying to be engineered is an end that's placed before the means. Uh, I, I don't think it's a it's it's satisfactory solution. So I think investment is the way to go forward. Yeah, and I think I, I think I agree with you. So would it be fair to say that the idea of affirmative action, I- ignoring its you know what we've actually seen empirically happen, that the principle isn't something that works in terms of not only academics, but anything. So I'm th- talking about work quotas, that sort of thing. Sorry, can you rephrase that? Okay, yes. so uh, what I'm asking is, is the, um, I guess, idea behind affirmative action of lessening standards to promote um, people of historically disadvantaged backgrounds what is problematic or is the implementation of it problematic? I think in and of itself it's problematic. I think it's safe to say it. like that's my view on it. Because if it doesn't if, if it doesn't do anything for the equality movement that we've already established that it doesn't, then you know, like I don't think I don't think it's something that should be upheld and I, I feel like a more groundwork approach might be a little bit slower it we see in terms of implementation and how it actually ends up succeeding. But at the same time, it's like it's a long-term solution. So you, you, if we were to say, for example, build more schools for people who is so, uh, like a low from a lower socioeconomic background and allow them to go there, then you know you sort of see in the future they would still they by giving them that prerequisite amount like the education and the opportunity to do well, then they would succeed on their own merit. And then there's nothing you can say. You can't say, oh, the only reason why you're here is because the university wants you. To be here, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Harish, on, are you on the same page? I think so. I, I, I think Michael's basically summed up my opinion, so I'm not, I, I don't think I have to add any more. Okay, that's good. So it seems we've come to... Wait, uh, I, I'm actually really curious, like, if there are, because I, th- I think we mentioned that a lot of our listeners are from the U.S., yeah, uh, last time we checked, I think 36% of our listeners are from the U.S., right. which is quite interesting. Okay, so... Um, shout out to the U.S. Yeah, shout out to the U.S. And um, I'm just interested to know, if you are listening to this and you are someone who from is an ethnic minority and you made it in, 
to whatever university it may be and they do have an affirmative action uh, policy and you are doing well or you are facing trouble no, mat- like, no matter what that might be I'm just interested if they, you, you guys would like to reach out to us on um, whatever platform it may be and tell us about your experience and your views on the subject Right, that would be really interesting. Yeah, I'm, because I, I'd be more than happy to learn. So. I mean, I'm not sure about UCL's uh, affirmative action policies, but I don't think that was the reason why we are here. Any of us got in, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm not well, really sure about the UK, but definitely I mean, not me, because yeah. that was applicable <laughs> for any yes. of them. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just interested to know if anybody, if anybody out there has sort of first-hand experience with affirmative action and would like to give us your two cents. I'm more than happy to have a discussion. Yeah, that would be awesome. Hearing from our listeners is always a uh, a fun thing, even though it rarely occurs. <laughs> but uh, um, I guess just finishing up our discussion on affirmative action, maybe we want to quickly touch on the workplace environment because there's sort of this idea of um, that affirmative action should also be used in hiring processes. And I, I think we've all personally experienced it a little bit wherein you fill out these forms for, you know, internships and all the like, and they ask you for... Um, your race and the reason they're asking um, is because it's easier to get in if you're you know of an ethnic minority or some other sort of disadvantaged background so do we think this falls to the same you know problems that affirmative action in terms of academics fall to or is this unique so i i think the the argument for affirmative action in employment is a bit different because there's tangible results that immediately come up which is the fact that um, affirmative action will lead to someone being in a perhaps more high-paying job than they would otherwise be in. So the merits of affirmative action are a bit different. But then again, whether that person is able to sustain in the workplace and produce as, as much as he or she is supposed to be otherwise able to produce is another question entirely. And I don't think um, there's a lot of uh, empirical support for the idea that affirmative action does do well in the workplace, apart from the fact that it gives higher-paying jobs initially. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I agree. How about even if we take a step back a little further and uh, we're talking more specifically about, like, internships and the like. So these aren't going to, like, I mean, it's pretty much pretty difficult to, I guess, drop out of an internship. They should be simple <laughs> enough to complete, right? So that shouldn't wouldn't really be a problem. But if you're able to get onto a better internship on account of your race, isn't that a good thing? I think, I think the... the the sort of the environment in which we see affirmative action take place in when it comes to the workplace sort of changes a bit because of the idea that a lot I mean unless it's a technical field right like I feel like a lot of the internships that I've attended sort of uh, subtle flux yeah I, okay <laughs> like a lot of the internships that I attended are like technical skills not not really technical skills but skills that you can pick up on the job so I guess by that by that logic like then it wouldn't be so bad to allow for affirmative action to happen in the workplace because then you will give them the opportunity to shine if they were capable of doing so right i think um specifically to internships this is about equalizing the opportunity available to all people because i think people who are of um, either better socioeconomic status or of majoritarian race are more likely to have connections that would help build the social capital that otherwise they wouldn't have so I, I think with internships, it's a different ballgame. You're, you're trying to shore up the social capital that people would otherwise not have. So I don't think it's as problematic. Mm. 
And yeah, that's that's and, pretty interesting. Yeah. And also, I think the important thing to note is that like, once you hit a internship with a good firm, it sort of acts as a signaling factor for other firms. But yeah, that's it. what yeah. I was trying to yeah. get at. Yeah. So, so maybe in terms of internships, affirmative action could be valuable. Yeah, perhaps. I was talking to um, an owner of a. They make like uh, it's sort of weird like high-tech HVAC units, so like air conditioning and heaters. Okay. Like, <laughs> maybe a, a year and a half ago. Right. Um, and I don't know how this came up exactly, but he told me that in their normal hiring processes, when they have two applicants of equal merit, they'll pick the person from um, a disadvantaged like race. And I was like really surprised that this is something that's you know very common in 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 practice so it is isn't like some idea that's just you know being implemented on some college campuses it's really taking a large effect and i'm really curious as to what the implications of it will be in like 15 20 years time well i mean it, it's sort of that idea that once the scales balance then you wouldn't have to do something like that but it's sort of you have like if we accept that there are there, there have there has been historical um sort of discrimination and you cannot discriminate against somebody who has not been historically discriminated against then I think it's completely fair for companies to go about hiring in that manner right I, I think it, the only way to judge the merits of a decision like that is to see whether or not it actually improves outcomes for all and for minorities right. I think it will because they're equally qualified so they'll be able to overcome some systemic biases that will otherwise not exist so I think overall it would be a good thing in 15 to 20 years yeah well, I guess you'll just have to listen to our podcast in 15 to uh, 20 years and find out. We'll be sure to announce uh, it on our Instagram in advance. So just another reason to follow us on, us on Instagram. 15 year anniversary. Yes, yes. Um, so any final thoughts, everyone, before we finish up today? I think affirmative action, um, good reasons, but bad policy. I think that's a very nice way to put it. Michael, yeah. any different perspective or nope. just that sum it up? Yeah. 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 Just well. like to remind people, if you're out there and you have first-hand experience, please drop us a text. Yes. Okay. So let's leave things there. I think we had an interesting discussion. So thank you, Michael. Thank you. And thank you, Harish. Thanks. A couple notes before we go. If you're a fan of the show or just enjoyed today's episode, leave us a rating or review in the podcast store or tell a friend about us. To stay up to date, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can reach out to us on Twitter at pseudointpod, follow us on Instagram at pseudointellectualspod, or like our page on Facebook at pseudointellectualspod. Thank you for listening, and you'll hear from us again soon.